Nothing gets people's attention more than somebody messing with your money, right? The old term, kicking the can down the road, applies again. Hey, Yogi, it's deja vu all over again on the budget, and it's like we didn't know this wasn't coming in January, but here we are again. It always works like this. The media is winding up the budgeting blame machine against the House Republicans, and the House Republicans cave. When we look at the numbers, we're right back where we started with McCarthy. Kick the can, deja vu all over again. This is the Trevor Carey Show. On the Valley's Power Talk. The idea of a short-term spending bill to keep the government open is being floated to give Congress more time to pass a full budget through the end of September. While a continuing resolution, or CR, is supported by Senate Republican leadership, Speaker Mike Johnson is less clear. Well, you want to 100% rule out a CR right now? I'm not ruling out anything, committing to anything. A short-term extension would likely anger some conservative members who've been frustrated with Johnson after he agreed to a bipartisan top-line spending agreement of just under $1.6 trillion. On Capitol Hill, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. Johnson announced that spending deal. Going to fund the government for the rest of the year. And it's... uh maybe a few dollars and cents off then McCarthy I guess nothing's changed right that's what I'm saying like uh, Yogi said man deja vu all over again House Freedom Caucus wrote it's even worse than we thought don't believe the spin once you break through typical Washington math the true total spending level is 1.658 trillion not 1.5 trillion this is total failure Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene wrote I am a no to the Johnson Schumer budget deal $1.6 $1.6 trillion budget agreement does nothing to secure the border. We're saying the same thing we were saying with McCarthy. Stop the invasion. You know, stop weaponizing our government against your political enemies, you dictator. Come on, man, get a spine. Stand up and say, we'll shut this bad boy down if you don't shut that border down and fire Mayorkas. Fire him now or uh, you'll be sending people home. And we're going to tell them why, that we're not going to fund that. Yeah, we're concerned about their paycheck, but we're more concerned about America being blown up so that you're around to get a paycheck. Why can't they just, why can't they just like Biden, man, shoot from the, shoot from the hip, right? Or what, what did he say? I have it here somewhere on my board. He's uh, talking about uh, shooting straight from the, from the shoulder. Oh, is he? Talking about no, you shoot from the hip, man. But Republicans don't. No, they're not gonna. They're not gonna stop any of that. So much for the power of the purse. The American people, uh, I Democrats and Republicans, listen to the listen to the folks in Chicago. They're they're demanding secure the border, uh, rein in this spending. Americans, uh, it's impossible to afford basics like groceries and and gas. And this shutdown, they're not going to do it. But we we know how the script always goes. Republicans trying to, uh, let's write in some minor cuts here on this. And then uh, you'll see the Democrats have a cow. And then MSNBC will play up the fact that the Democrats are having a cow and Republicans want to cut. And they'll say they want to they want to push grandma down a hill in a wheelchair, right? They, they do all that. Who's going to be affected? Uh, here's Tyler Johnson. He was uh, married two months ago with two twins. 
and uh, a set of twins, and uh, he's not going to get a paycheck on Monday. How are you going to survive? I don't know how I'm going to survive. Uh, my kids are going to die. They put all those stories out there, and they make the Republicans be the bad guys. And the Republicans cave. And what's the result? More spending, stealing of your money. House Speaker Mike Johnson in November had a temporary spending bill that expired in January. We knew this was coming. And some parts of the government will be be February. But the House Freedom Caucus said total failure. Said the bargain was a fiscal calamity. Fiscal calamity. Hi, uh, I'd like you to meet the new boss. He says the same as the old boss. And when you got Chuck Schumer claiming a good deal for Democrats and the country, yeah, just go ahead. Just a little further see a little further down the road. See if you can kick the can down there by that mailbox. Kick it. Go. Let's check. Yeah, when you kick it to the mailbox, we'll be $34 trillion in debt. Keep on kicking. Good leg action there, Speaker Johnson. Hey, good force, man. But you won't force a government shutdown to force Democrats to accept House Resolution 2, H.R. 2, right? You won't, uh, you won't force it, man, to force Mayorkas out of his position. Well, you know, they're not going to do, they're not, they're not going to do this. We, uh, the agreement, uh, they made between Speaker McCarthy and Joe Biden during last year's debt ceiling negotiation, right? That's why, uh, people got upset about, hey, there's actually a word. It's called a debt ceiling. And that passed into law. That would have funded spending level of $1.59 trillion. According to Sunday's announcement from Speaker Johnson and, and Schumer, the current fiscal year will now be funded with an overall spending limit of roughly the same, $1.5. You heard that correctly. No difference between the agreement made between Speaker Johnson and Schumer and the one that McCarthy made. Either... Either way, the money's divided between military and non-military spending. It's it's basically the the same as before. the 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 only change, and you'll hear Speaker Johnson talk about, "Hey, this is a big change." The twenty billion dollars in IRS funding cuts that Biden agreed to had spread out over two years. Well, instead, both come in this year's bill. That would be the like the only thing the Democrats are are upset about. Why do they always win? Could it be? That it's a uniparty? <laughs> well, there's going to be a little revolt. And Speaker Mike Johnson needs to realize, I don't know if the Democrats would be real hot on doing this again since he's playing right along with them, uh, right? But, hey, you could have uh, just like what happened with McCarthy. You could you could have it again. Faction of the Republican Party unhappy with this budget agreement being negotiated to try and avoid a possible government shutdown. If We, we hear this all the time, right? possible government shutdown, right? If that were your life and you were living that way, hey, man, I'm about to go bankrupt. Oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Let's keep spinning. Wait, I'm about to go bankrupt. Oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm about to go bankrupt. Uh, you know, a uh, government shutdown, no money. Going bankrupt. Okay, yeah, I guess you can file whatever and start over. But, hey, the government needs to do that. They need a do-over, right? They, uh, The Senate and the House leaders announced a 2024 budget deal, $1.66 trillion. Uh, here and uh, I tell you though, anytime I hear Chuck Schumer though talking about it being being good, right? That's like the serpent saying this apple is good. Mm. Take a bite. Seven hundred four billion for non defense, eight hundred eighty six billion for defense spending, 
And I, I also wonder where each year we have all this defense spending. We, I mean, you go and get everybody, all the other countries of the world, combine them together, and we outspend them, I don't know, tenfold or whatever. I mean, we, we crazy spend on military. How can it even be that we talk about, well, we have a shortage of this and a shortage of that? How does that happen with that kind of money? Well, I guess, oh, wait, wait, I need to factor in how the government spends money. We put all the money on the border, and it goes up every year, and it's more open every year. We have more transient homeless people, even though we spend more money on it. It seems like if you spend money on it, you increase it. Why? That's our money they're spending. Not successful, not successful, not successful, not successful. Could it be that maybe we need to do something other than money? You, you think at that point, you might you might get to that point, right? Another $69 billion, uh, in adjustments in non-defense spending was also reached on this. But you got a lot of uh, conservatives that are criticized it publicly, and they remain unconvinced by the deal. Hang on, let me grab this. This is a post from uh, Speaker Johnson. Olivia Beavers posted that Speaker Johnson is asking members to not bash him or leadership team on social media. Do not bash us on social media. If they are upset, do it in the conference. And he made some sort of reference about tackling your own quarterback uh, football reference. Uh, well, listen, if, if, if we find out that the quarterback has given our playbook and doesn't care about what we want on our team, sack him. Go after him. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who I'll play some audio here in a few minutes uh, with Hunter Biden walked into the House Oversight Committee. But yeah, we'll get to that. And five, yeah, he showed up, showed up like Tony Soprano. You can't touch me. Uh, or uh, who was the Teflon Don? Yeah, you can't. Uh, Gotti, John Gotti. Yeah, you can't touch me. He strolled in like he was John Gotti with his attorneys, and they're all snickering and smiling. Uh, but Marjorie Taylor Greene said she's a no to the to the budget deal. She said again. And her reasonings are correct that it doesn't secure the border and it doesn't stop the the invasion. Enough is enough. Use the use the border crisis as as leverage, right? And and here's the thing about it: they can't separate it. They won't separate border security. They won't separate Israel. They won't separate the Ukraine spending. No, sorry. Uh, no, we need to divide that out. And if you were me, I, I flipped those numbers, right? What was it? Uh, like 68 billion to Ukraine. I'm not remembering Israel was, uh, we were a little bit underneath for the border, what we were going to give, uh, to Israel, right? Uh, enough is enough, man. If you refuse to shut down the border, Congress shut down the government time for action. You got about nine Republican members of Congress that have publicly slammed the deal before, I guess, Speaker Johnson could get out the word there of, hey, don't publicly slam me, man. They are Andy Biggs of Arizona, Andrew Clyde and Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, Eric Burleson of Missouri, Matt Rosendale of Montana, Greg Murphy North Carolina, Ralph Norman South Carolina, Keith Self of Texas, and Bob Good of Virginia. That's, I guess that's, uh, the, those are the folks that stand in the way of uh, making Chuck Schumer happy. You got a lot of House Freedom Caucus members, about 40 House members, they also said the deal was a total failure. I it, it's even worse than we thought. And now I'm I'm not saying this is going to trigger a vote against Johnson as it did uh, with McCarthy, but it could, it could. We could be right back into it because hey, 
Uh, hey, new boss, meet the old boss. Let's go to the ultimate wisdom here um, when it comes to national security issues. And I can't think of none other than Jean Pierre. This uh, kicking kicking the can down the road uh-huh. is not the way that Congress should be operating. We've been very clear about that. They have a job to do. Keeping the government open is one of the basic things that they can do. Kicking it down the road, Republicans, House Republicans kicking this down the road does not help Americans. Hmm. Ram head into the wall. That's how they make you feel, essentially. Yeah, Hunter Biden went to D.C. We got that audio coming up right here on the show. The Trevor Carey Show on the Valley's Power Talk. They say it happens in threes. Has there been another famous football coach to resign today? Pete Carroll uh, stepping down, Seattle Seahawks. He, He was the oldest coach in the NFL at 72. I actually thought he was a little bit older than that. He's... He looks like he's 60 or something. Uh, but ESPN reporting Alabama head coach Nick Saban is retiring. Uh, that's, that's, that's big. Seven national championships, the most in college football history. Six came at Alabama, one at Louisiana State University. Uh, so he's, he's stepping down as well. All right. Uh, we'll wait for the big third announcement before 6 o'clock here. They'll be, they'll be coming out with that one there. Uh, tomorrow on the show, uh, we're going to be talking to uh, – Staff Sergeant United States Air Force, who was mandated out. Now he's running for Congress down in Arizona over what they did to the military, man. So wrong, so wrong. Boy, we're giving a lot of money. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for these numbers. Uh, this is the $106 billion uh, foreign aid that Joe Biden wants us to give. Our money. Remember, it's your your money. And this is on top of $113 billion that's already been given to a corrupt country that he has ties to the corruption Shut that money valve off now. Wanted $61 billion to Ukraine, $14 billion to Israel, $14 billion for our border. So $130 billion, we're almost up to $200 billion for Ukraine's border. Hey, let's put fourteen toward ours, right? Yeah. And it's just outrage. It's outrage. It's an outrage. I tell you, this... Uh, this has been going on here. Uh, this is <laughs> Hunter Hunter Biden coming out with his cocky attorneys, man. They're jerks. And I just love this. So standing around a bunch of reporters and somebody in the background. I, I'm just not going to tell you. Listen, it's at the very end. Listen. You please, I'll answer your question if you be quiet and let me make a statement. Okay? What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? Let me- Did you catch that? What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? What kind of crack do you normally smoke? Oh, wait, let me back it up a little there. Here we go. What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? Let me- <laughs> I got more audio I'll play you in a minute. Tomorrow on the show again, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, January 6th. Tucker had a good show about that. And, boy, they're using it for everything that they can. They just build this narrative up. It is, it's so desperate, man. It's such desperation. It, to those that know the truth, they just look so foolish. It was not an, it was not an insurrection. And and what's wrong with what's wrong with Democrats, man? Listen to I I've already played you Schumer. Uh, let me go over here to Schumer and Adam Schiff. Right, let me get to that page here. Uh, Schumer incited the erection, insurrection. Yeah. Okay. Who confuses those words uh, this much? Adam Schiff, listen. Uh, into inciting an erection, uh, insurrection, which he did. In, 
insurrection. Congresswoman Jayapal. Oh, yeah, she's part of the squad here. The gentlelady from Washington is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Let's talk about the fact that President Trump incited an erection. Uh, and <laughs> maybe that, too. <laughs> maybe we should talk about that, too. The president yeah. incited an insurrection. What are you guys, in third grade? <laughs> What's wrong with them, man? Let's talk about the not insurrection. Even the FBI and the DOJ have said it's, it was not an insurrection. There's no such thing as an unarmed insurrection, a spontaneous insurrection, where everybody stops and then goes home and complies with the FBI and the DOJ. That's not, that's not what an insurrection, the outrage is manufactured. They're making it up. It's all manufactured. Uh, even the gates going up, Nancy put up the next day and all the National Guard and the purging of the military, it's, it's, it's all manufactured. Because if you if you really want to look at this with honest eyes, and I'll let you hear it with your honest ears, when we when we look at what happened during 2020 in the summer of rage, except in Seattle, that was, the Chad Zone was a summer of love. Mayor Jenny Dinkins, it was that her name? I'm trying to. I, I got a lot of these. Mem- Mayor Ted Wheeler, I think he's Portland. Yeah, those names I, I got to memorize now, but. In 2020, there were 500-plus Black Lives Matter riots. It lasted seven months. January 6th lasted a couple hours. 2020, there were 20-plus murders by the participants. On January 6th, the participants, zero murders. In 2020, there were thousands of small businesses destroyed and medium, and larger businesses. On January 6th, there were no businesses were destroyed. 2020, there were 150-plus federal buildings damaged. Now, we got to admit, on January 6th, there was one federal building that was damaged. In 2020, it was $2 billion worth of damage. January 6th, $1.5 million. In 2020, with the Black Lives Matter riots and Antifa and all that, 2,037 officers were assaulted. On January 6th, 140. Summer of rage, protesters were bailed out. January 6th, they're kept in solitary confinement. The summer of rage, the media encouraged that. The politicians, and we know Kamala, she she encouraged it. I am very, very excited. To bail you out so you can go burn down more businesses in uh, Kenosha tonight. On January 6th, you did have some, uh, some organizations and groups and agitators that uh, encouraged January 6th, but that was a very, 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 very fringe movement. In 2020... The, uh, the riots were downplayed, downplayed to the point of uh, mostly peaceful protest as you had the 1906 Chicago fire burning over the reporter's shoulder behind him. January 6th, again, they manufactured. They didn't downplay it. They built it up. They manufactured it. They exaggerated it, right? And when you 
comes to 2020 and how the media and how the Democrat politicians view that, right? Uh, that was encouraging. This is, these are Americans using their voices to be to be spoken, and they're the only ones allowed outside of their house during the lockdown to do it because it's that important, right? January 6th, they manufactured this this national outrage, didn't they? They sure did. I'm going to come back and let you hear what happened when Hunter Biden went to D.C. today. The Trevor Carey Show on the Valley's Power Talk. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. Mm. No money, huh? Well, uh, Hunter Biden had to come to D.C. today. And he was all, you know, they wanted to talk to him in private. He's been all like, hey, I'll talk in public. Why, why does he even get to, to make that decision, right? He made a surprise appearance at the oversight hearing to hold him in contempt. And, I mean, for real, he just randomly showed up to a committee meeting. Republicans were recommending the House to find him in criminal contempt of Congress. And then Hunter Biden just shows up. He left with in a half hour. And as he was leaving again, you please, I'll answer your question if you be quiet and let me make a statement. Okay? How crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? Let me- <laughs> that was when his attorney was talking, the snide attorney there. What kind of crack do you smoke, Mr. Biden? <laughs> right? He's uh, in contempt, has been a no-show, but showed up. Uh, they can explain it better here. Listen. He was unannounced and uninvited, but he did crash this House Oversight Committee hearing today where lawmakers are debating whether or not to hold him in contempt for being a no-show at his closed-door deposition that was requested weeks ago. House Republicans and Democrats tangled over whether or not to hold him in contempt. Republicans say he defied a congressional subpoena. Democrats say Republicans gave him a choice between a closed-door interview and a public hearing, and Hunter chose a public hearing. Hunter Biden has been to Capitol Hill now twice since he's been under congressional subpoena. He has yet to take any lawmaker questions on those two trips. He doesn't have to take questions. Man, this is this is like Jerry Springer. Get the fresca and the pork rinds ready. I'm sitting down ready to watch this. But keep in mind, he's just a private citizen that got to fly on Air Force Two and do big multi-million dollar deals with China and sit on the border of Ukraine. Although he had no experience whatsoever in the gas and energy sector out there. I'm sure he had some powerful lighters. Hunter, as you all know, is a private citizen. He's not a member of this White House. Uh, He makes his own decisions, um, like he did today, about how uh, to respond to Congress. Jean-Pierre did not say if the administration or President Biden was aware ahead of time of Hunter Biden's plans. Republicans in Congress are pushing for contempt after the president's son defied a subpoena for a closed-door deposition. I can defy. I am Hunter Biden. The House Oversight Judiciary Committee meeting to vote on these resolutions that would find him being in criminal contempt. I guess that means you would be a criminal. Criminal contempt of Congress. Justice Department would have to decide whether to prosecute old Joe's boy who had nothing. Now, my son has not made anybody in China. Well, you think the Justice Department, you think the DOJ is going to come on now? Uh, Yeah, Hunter arrived. He had all his lawyers. And he was asked by CBS News whether he would testify. And he replied, uh, if they let me in. Congresswoman Nancy Mace, here she is talking with Hunter, sitting in the room, sitting right there. And it it wasn't a big, huge room either. Uh, 
Mr. Chairman, uh, Chairman Comer, um, first of all, my first question is who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, second question, you are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here and... M Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman, if the gentle lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. And Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Order, order, order. Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Are women allowed to speak in here or no? You keep interrupting me. I'll interrupt the chairman. I don't know that he's a lady. Ah, that's a Democrat being all mouthy, interrupting, not giving her her time, right? Somebody get up, walk across there, and slap him across the face, right? I think that uh, that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. Our nation yeah. is founded on the rule of come law. Come on, come on. And the premise come that on. the law applies to equally to everyone, no matter what your last... Point of order, Mr. Chairman. Uh, uh, well, much order, I guess, going on. He, he, he got it all riled up, right? Marjorie Taylor Greene got her time. Let's hear what she had to say with Hunter in the room. Ms. Greene from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Apparently, you're afraid of my words. Uh, here He's getting them walking out. <laughs> oh. I'd like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. I think it's clear and obvious for everyone watching this hearing today that Hunter Biden is terrified of strong conservative Republican women because he can't even face my words as I was about to speak to him. What a coward. You heard Nancy Grace or Nancy Grace, Nancy Mace talking about you won't let a woman talk. You won't let a woman. I, I don't like when women go into the I'm a woman thing and you're die. It's like, no, quit, quit with that. You want equality, right? You fought, then then quit. Quit blaming it on the woman thing. That's that's like playing the race card. That's how I look at that. And yes, I'm criticizing the Republican uh, women. They always got to do the the whole woman thing. But yeah, Hunter Biden, boy, he took off, man. He took off. He was ready to run. He ran right out of there. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. There he went right out with Marjorie Taylor Greene. He stayed about a half hour in there. Ah, I tell you, this is uh, this is Jerry Stringer stuff, isn't it? We, uh, I do have a, a debt to report in California, and it, was, uh, it happened in a way we don't hear about a whole lot. There was an avalanche, one person uh, dead, one injured near Lake Tahoe uh, that went down here. The Placer County Sheriff's Office says all search efforts around the Palisades Tahoe Ski Resort have concluded following a morning avalanche. We are able to confirm that one male has passed away as a result of the avalanche. Spokesman for the Sheriff's Office, Sergeant David Smith. There was also another individual that uh, sustained minor non-life-threatening injuries. Authorities not sharing any other details. Palisades Tahoe officials say both the person killed and the person injured were guests of the resort from out of town, adding their hearts go out to the victim's family. And wow, you're just visiting and that happens. 
Uh, right. We don't really hear about, uh, you know, they happen maybe further up and Caltrans knows about them, but happening at a resort, a ski resort, right? Uh, it closed it down. Here's a little more on it. Officials with the Placer County Sheriff's Office tell the Associated Press there are no confirmed reports of people being trapped in snow following a morning avalanche, but search teams are helping to assess the area around the Palisades Tahoe Ski Resort. You've seen the uh, the GoPro cameras of snowboarders or skiers when they get uh, in an avalanche. Have you ever seen that? How it it gets it's a kind of whitish and then gray and then dark as they're trapped underneath the the snow, that would be terrifying uh, to be trapped under there like that. And I know a lot of them have the uh, parachute things that release up so they, they know exactly where they are under the snow. They shoot up almost like an ejector seat out of the back or something, a, uh, a balloon, so the rescuers know where to come and get them. But when you're at a hotel or something and it hits like that, okay, I, I don't even remember reporting on an avalanche uh, killing somebody since uh been here. I Anytime I'm traveling in the mountains, though, don't, don't you on those mountain roads and you look up and you see a wall of rock and you're going, boy, it's so random when those suckers come down, right? Or if they give you the sign warning you're heading into a area where a rock could come down and crush your life. Uh, yeah, I, I, I look up in those places. Speaking of uh, rocks and being crushed, I had Dr. Amalu on. He's from the Valley here. This was, I don't know, four, five, six years ago. The Will Smith movie out about the NFL and brain concussions. And Dr. Amalu was, a he didn't play himself in the movie, but he was in that movie talking about traumatic brain injury in the NFL and players, you know, they show after they retire at the age of 48 or something, they got the brain of an 88-year-old man. And they've also been talking about, look at the strange behavior from some of these players and a lot of times they've attributed it to, well, that steroid use made them crazy, right? And sometimes that did, but uh, traumatic brain injuries. And they looked at the brains of NFL players. A lot of them have in their decline, like Lyle Alzado. used to play for the what, Broncos and Raiders. He was a Raider and a Bronco, I think. But uh, his brain, I think they they looked in at that. And, and when I interviewed Dr. Amalu, he, he gave a here's – the, here's the analogy he gave. He goes – Take a, take, take a clear white jar, clear jar, and put a potato in it and fill it up with a little bit of water around it. Put the lid on it and then shake it real hard. Just shake it like you're doing a shake weight or something. And he goes, look what that potato does. It, it hits that side, that side, that side, that side, that side as it's being. And he said, our brain is not connected to our skull. He said, the potato is the brain inside the, inside the skull, which is the jar, and there's fluid around it. And he said, when a football player collides, bam, he said, the brain moves up against the skull a little bit. It, it cannot not do that because it's a potato in a jar. And he said that uh, he was talking about, you know, younger kids as well, that it, a lot of these players, you know, they start Pop Warner football the minute they can tie their own shoes almost, right? And they've been taking these these hits. And as you get bigger, stronger in high school, uh, that's four years of pounding, practice, games, college, stronger, more powerful, years of that pounding. And then you play a decade or longer in the NFL. Man, that's... That's 30 years of pounding. And this California bill from Assemblymember Kevin McCarty, it would ban tackle football for kids younger than 12. 
And Trevor Carey of 2010 would have been like, oh, man, that's just the way America's going. You want flag football. But after talking to somebody that described it to me that that way, I'm I'm thinking, uh, well, you know what I said? I don't think it should be outlawed, but I don't think uh, I think parents should be given the the goods on what on what's really happening. Right. I all sports have a risk. I, I would say it's probably not a bad idea until a little more uh, mature formation uh, happens. Uh, nine, ten-year-olds just banging heads and the the brain doing that, right? They they already got enough stuff that's going to attack their brain maybe without us. I, I don't know. I'm on the fence with this. You, you hardly ever hear me say that. I'm pretty black and white, right? I guess I'm a little gray on, on this one right here. Uh, they say tackle football is a high-risk sport. Sure it is. Yeah. All sports have some kind of... Some some kind of risk, right? And I know flag football would be a safer option. Um, but, you know, you could jump up in basketball. You can fall down and hit your head, get a concussion. In baseball, I mean, in the pros, they're coming at you 90, 100 miles an hour. Still imagine a baseball coming in from a sixth grader at 48 miles an hour uh, hitting your head. There's always risk with that, but interesting. We'll follow that that football story right there. I'm, I, I I didn't get to it earlier in the show, but I am going to come back with it here. I uh, read some of these Alaska Airline folks that were on the plane and what happened when that, that big hole blew. I didn't know this. There were only seven seats that were left open on this flight, and the two that were right next to the hole were empty seats. If you'd been sitting there, you'd probably be... Out the door real quick. I'll tell you what they said next. This is the Trevor Carey Show on the Valley's Power Talk. Love me a little ELO. You're listening to the Trevor Carey Show on the Valley's Power Talk. I know. It's the Man for Man's Earth Band. Last time I played this song, I said, oh, it reminds me of being at the roller skating rink in Austin in 1976 when I was 10. And this song from ELO would come on, and I got the calls. It's not ELO. It's Man for Man, Earth Band. I'm Casey Kasem. I get it wrong sometimes, right? I, I got it wrong that time. Uh, this flag football thing. You know what? I think on Friday would be a good time. Maybe take some calls and see what parents or maybe uh, what, what grandma thinks of her grandson uh, under 12 banging helmets Sacramento and all Democrat that, right? Kevin McCarty says he loves football, but he's done years of research to conclude that kids under 12 should be playing other sports or flag football, not tackle, to protect them from brain injury. Kids only have one brain. They only have one life. And there's irreversible damage to kids' brains that is totally unnecessary. All right. Kids only have one brain. Democrats have none, but that's a Democrat bringing that forward to protect kids' brains. So maybe he has a little brain in there. The loud boom, the roaring wind immediately filled the airline cabin. Oh, I wonder where they're going to serve drinks. Boom! Can you... That's the. That's everybody's nightmare. I... If I'm on a flight and it happens, I want it to be like a terrorist. Put a bomb and I'll blow up real quick. I don't want to be that three and a half minute free fall where everybody's trying to make phone calls and screaming and yelling to God and uh, right. Cause that's exactly how, how it would be. We never get to find out what those flights were like because there's nobody left around to say what all happened when that, I, I've heard that if the G force is enough that it can like separate the heart at times so that you end up having a heart attack and you die before you even hit, I, I would hope, but that didn't happen with this Boeing. Max 9 had a blowout three miles in the sky. 
Hey, sometimes I, I'll fall asleep on a flight and I'll wake up and like for like 1001 to not know where I am for a second, you know, that feel. And I go, oh, oh, that's right. I'm sitting at 35,000 feet going 600 miles an hour. It's a, it's an unnerving thing when you really think about what we're, we're doing. Uh, they said it created a vacuum inside that twisted the metal of the seats that were nearby. It was that powerful. Cell phones, headsets, even the shirt off a teenager's back went right off their body. They were about six minutes into the flight from Portland to Southern California. Uh, they were halfway to their cruising altitude. They were at 400 miles an hour. They just told everybody, Ding! you can resume using your electronic devices. <laughs> Two foot by four foot piece of fuselage blew out right behind the left wing. Anytime I'm on a flight, I think the sturdiest is by the wing. I don't know why I think that. I guess it, it just feels like the sturdy, it wouldn't break apart part of the airplane. But it's also the if you fly at night, it's the one where that creature can be seen out there and walking up to the window and nobody else will see it. You'd be like, did you see him? I saw him out there. Right? Every flight anybody's been on when you got a window seat and you're looking out at the at the wing and those lights are kind of turning and you might see some clouds at night. It's dark, right? We see that guy. Flight attendants, uh, they're giving them a lot of credit for how well they handled this and and kept their composure, right? Uh, This one guy said it said he was sitting next to the kid that had his shirt blown off and they couldn't couldn't hear each other. It was that loud. He said, we just started typing on our phone, communicating that way because it was so loud. They couldn't even hear the... You couldn't even hear what the... Uh, the captain was saying the co-pilot contracted the air traffic controller said we need to turn back they said she had a very calm voice uh, throughout the the landing they said everything had to go right for all of them to survive and uh, they they said when it landed the passengers broke into applause i don't know i probably would have been able to clap i would have still my hands would have been covering the tears coming down my face right thank you lord Hey, uh, can I have a few extra peanuts, please, on this flight? I don't know if I'd ever get back on on a plane after that happened. No. Uh-uh. That's why I'm not going to get married again until I'm in my 80s on a cruise ship. <laughs> hey, uh, thanks to Chief Buckle Balderrama, the podcast up there. He was on the show today. Thanks to Agent Squires. Thanks to Ryan. God willing, we'll be back to do it again tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Mr. John Girardi's coming up next. Good night.